Last night I had the strangest dream In this bleak century I dream that people the world around Believed in chivalry I dreamed I saw a kingly crown Shined in lovelies With grace and hope And purity Attendant at his feet Hello everyone and welcome again to Chivalry Yo Podcast. I'm Sir Roland DeGray, your host. And today on the program, we have Sir Bardolf Gumboltson, uh, a dear friend of mine. Uh, who has uh, been a part of my SCA since almost the very beginning. Um, it's uh, lovely to have him here today. We're going to be speaking on the topic of humility. So uh, with that, I'd like to say, welcome, Sir Bardolf. Hi, uh, my name's Sir Bardolf Gunvaldson, as was just established. Um, I, uh, I was elevated to the Order of Chivalry in uh, 2013. And uh, I believe I was elevated to the Order of the Desert Fawn of Alberon in 2002, if that, maybe people care. Um, and uh, I was uh, born into the SEA. My parents met in the society. So I have been playing for uh, 31-ish, almost 32 years. All right, great. Well, as mentioned before, humility is a topic. Uh, we want to jump into that pretty soon. But before we get going on that, I've been asking everybody so far um, about their influences on the path of chivalry. Uh, are there uh, some high points that you remember in terms of specific interactions or are there specific people that you can say really influenced how you think about the way the game is played, like your philosophical sort of uh, influences and maybe just overall positive influences from people that you've met in your entire life? Sure. I mean, I, broadly, I think that everybody, everybody you've ever met in, influences how you see the world, how you interact with other humans. I think that, that, you know, hopefully I continue to meet people who continue to shape me. I would hope so. Um, I, I think, as I mentioned before, my parents met in the SEA. And so I was, um, raised around it. They're both very prominent in the game. Um, my father is uh, Jarl Gunvald, who um, is a master and a laurel and a pelican, and you would never know any of that if you just saw him walking down the street. Um, I think that his, his ability to um, present in a very humble way is, uh, has been very influential on me. Um, Strangers meet him and have no idea why he's significant, but anyone who knows him knows um, very quickly how um, influential he is. And I, I think that always had a big impression on me. Um, my mother, um, uh, Mistress Elflid, or Countess Elflid, she prefers mistress. She doesn't actually prefer mistress, she prefers lady, but that's all, that's all other stuff. Um, uh, she, uh, uh, is very into the philosophy of it and so has uh, frequently throughout my life held philosophy discussions and I got to sit in a lot of that. They've also both had a lot of students um, 
And I, because, because they were having conversations in my house, I was able to sit in on a lot of those conversations. And so sort of all of their students, I sort of learned from as well, um, which is a, not a very modest beginning. It's not a very humble upbringing. There's a lot of um, people that, a lot of students that they had that went on to be very large and influential people. So I have had a sort of uh, a village to raise me and in a philosophical sense. Um, I was squired to Sir Arton, um, and he also had a very large impact. And beyond that, he was my godfather. He is my godfather. Um, so I, <laughs> I've known him my entire life. Um, he really taught me about how to be humble and be confident that there's not, it's not necessarily conflicting to be sure of yourself, um, but know your limitations. Um, God, and then there's like the weird little interactions like Sir Lee has left a big impression on me. Sir Lee, who was knighted and came up in Aitenveld, knighted in the Outlands, and then is now in Antir. Is that true, Antir? Antir, I believe, is, is the kingdom yeah. that he resides in. He had, he had a huge impact on me just because of when I was paying attention, really talking to people. And, and so there's a lot of stuff that he said to me that really, like I think it was even before he was knighted, that really like has stuck with me as as interesting pieces of advice that either, you know, good or bad, you know, because you negative interactions, not that he has negative interactions, but um, I feel like I'm talking too fast for this recording. I'm sorry. Um, uh, I, I think that, that, that Lee gave me a lot of really interesting advice that I have chewed on for a really long time as a, someone I didn't expect to really have an influence on me that really has. Awesome. Yeah. I could concur with all of those individuals to one degree or the other. Uh, as being people that I've interacted with that certainly were influential. Um, I can un totally understand uh, why those are some of the high points in, in, in your path. Um, so humility is the topic. Uh, can you discuss humility while remaining humble? Is it possible? Yes. Yes. I don't, I don't think that there's anything inherently immodest about discussing ideas. I think that the, crux of humility is not about acting humble it's about understanding limitations i think that humans are flawed right we we know that we have imperfect senses that we don't have complete information that we and, and very likely we never will have an entire story in our minds um and so i think that immodesty is really i'm sorry modesty humility the thing we're talking about is um really about recognizing your own limitations. If you're the best fighter around, that doesn't mean you can't lose. Um, it just means that you're really good. It doesn't mean that there's not somebody better than you out there. It just means that you've had a lot of success. So I think that it's about um, understanding that you are just human. And so I don't think that there's anything innately immodest about discussing the ideas surrounding it. Um, now, if you start trancing around and saying, oh, I've figured it out. I know humility. I have humility and no one else, no one else can understand it the way I do. Then that, you know, that starts to bleed into it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was getting into is that sometimes uh, it is, it's difficult to, um, it's difficult to talk about certain things, particularly virtues without using a lot of personal examples and, I think that in a discussion of humility and trying to 
tackle it as a concept to really plumb the depths of what it means uh, to to define it and to live by it. Um, you know, we folks that I've engaged with in the past have had a tendency to uh, to use themselves as examples, <laughs> and it's it's just kind of a weird uh, dynamic. You're like, yeah, but humility. <laughs> but uh, no. But I also don't think that talking about yourself is also innately um, immodest. I don't, I don't, I mean, I think that it comes a lot from intent. I think that if you want to talk about yourself as a way of examining yourself, that is different than wanting to talk about yourself so that everybody else knows what you've done. Sure. And I think that I've seen both of those in different conversations that I've had. You know, I think that there's a way to do it. It's just kind of a, uh, maybe at face value, an interesting topic of discussion. You know, I've, I've had people that have shied away from discussing it, I think, because they think they will appear immodest. You know? Yeah, that's interesting, too, because I think that we have this idea of that um, humility is a state of being. Yeah, it's something you have or you don't. Yeah, and I don't, <laughs> I don't think that that's the way we should think about it. It's not really a binary thing. And so it's not like if you ever, if you ever go, hey, look, I made this thing, suddenly you, you've lost your humility and you're ashamed. It's, not, it's just not the way it works. Yeah, I think I it's think, far more nuanced. <laughs> yes, and I, and I think we all kind of know that. I think the really interesting thing about humility is that it is very culturally relevant to everybody every day. We sort of, we sort of know when somebody is being a braggart. And it's sort of obnoxious. We have a cultural um, uh, distaste for uh, people who are immodest. I would agree. And I think that in the society, we find um, we find varying degrees of people putting up with that in their comings and goings. There are folks that we love to death, but they do have that character flaw that, you know, they, they, they I have attributed it a lot in the past. Um, and other organizations I've been a member of to uh, kind of a, a need to self-inflate one's abilities because they do lack confidence. I think that sometimes that that is a motivator for being immodest is to tout accomplishments so that you can feel better about trying new things or being courageous about things you're nervous about. You know, I, 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 I don't think that it always comes from a bad place. It just, it's a coping mechanism for some people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I also think that American culture, we sort of, you know, this individualistic idea that we have sort of forces us to uh, into a position where we have to talk about our achievements. Yes. And yeah, and that, that could go down a whole nother rabbit hole for sure. Uh, that's not what we're talking about today. Yeah, for sure. But I like, I like where your head's at. Um, so obviously Humility has been a topic that we've discussed, that uh, that you've thought a lot on, that you've had a lot of influences uh, over. And let's map out a little bit about the purpose of humility to somebody who's trying to be a member of the chivalry. Like, why is it important that a knight or a master um, be humble? What what is what is it about that that makes it a virtuous behavior that we want to see people uh, emulate in their uh, careers as members of the tribune? Well, as uh, it's one of the reasons I was so excited to do this is that you and I disagree on so much, and we like each other so much too. So, um, 
Um, I, there's, there's a lot to uh, talk about there. Um, my thoughts about why it's beneficial, what it is about humility that is actually virtuous, um, right? Because the, the word humility is nothing, right? It's all about what the actual implications are and how that actually impacts the world around you. Um, in the context of the SCA and specifically the Order of Chivalry and uh, broadly all of the orders, because, because the SCA is uh, playing at hierarchy, we have a uh, imagination hierarchy going on. We've constructed, I mean, it's not, it's all real. Uh, we've constructed this hierarchy. And I think that what's important about humility in that is understanding, again, that you're just human. That even though there are um, these, uh, this hierarchy, that this whole stratosphere all the way up to the crown down to the, the just, just walked in today person, um, that if you don't recognize that you are just another person out at the park or whatever, um, then the whole thing starts to collapse. Um, if a member of the Order of Chivalry wants to um, assume that they have all the answers, they assume that the crown at some point recognized them and so they're done. They, they figured out what it is to be a knight and that doesn't, that, that misses the idea that we are flawed. If you assume you have all the answers, you're going to make mistakes, you're going to cause harm, you are going to um, piss people off. And so I think that really the, I mean, from a longevity sense, humility is how we are going to continue to have a game. That is, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that, um, I think that was well put. The, uh, and I've seen examples of this uh, throughout the known world, they, it's, it's kind of like what you mentioned earlier. I mean, it's very, it's fairly obvious when you see uh, a member of our society start to push those social boundaries and start to really cross into the braggart, the, the, the overconfident, the, the, uh, the man who seeks vainglory. Um, these, these people out themselves, generally speaking. And in most of those cases, I would say that, uh, trouble follows them they get themselves into trouble because they preach absolutes they say you know their way is the one true way uh and and that does assume that they've made no mistakes and yeah i i couldn't agree more yeah and i think that there's uh there is a uh danger in being uh in in being prideful in your own humility in that you might assume that other people don't have humility Oh and yes. So there's, a, there's a bit of a catch twenty two there where you go, I am humble, and so I get to be the dictator of what being humble is. Yeah, that's yeah, and that's why I think establishing a nice uh, sort of um, accessible definition uh, is helpful. I think that I think that's good that we start off with with defining the, the virtue before we talk in general. But in this case, I think it's important that you've said that this is all about the actions that we take uh, compared to, um, I lost my thought. Oh, well, <laughs> I agree I with you. Thought, I huh? had a thought about what you said about, about defining it, that, that yeah. um, this is one of the things that I really appreciate about having these sorts of discussions. And one of the things that I really 
really likes doing in the middle of the night at a camping event, whatever, sitting around a fire, right? These sort of really casual um, philosophy discussions, I think, really help to solidify your own thoughts and check your humility. Because we have a tendency, I think, to assume that everyone thinks like we do. Yes. I think that that we are uh, uh, have the ability to say, I know what whatever is. I know what humility is. And so since you know the definition of the word humility and I know the definition of the word humility, we both agree on what that is. But yes. that's that's not true. There's no reason to think that my version of humility matches yours. And so these sorts of discussions help us to develop and understand it more intricately and hopefully let go of our own preconceived notions of what those ideas might be. So the, it's a flaw of language, really, that that the idea that we have a word and this word means this and here's your box and everything outside of that is not that word. And it's just not the way the world is. Very, very true. Perspective is everything. And uh, when we're talking about defining the world that we exist in, whether that's how we think or what we think about or how we interact. So, yeah, I, I think that um, I think you're right. I, I've enjoyed hosting the philosophy discussions over the years. Um, I think that this medium gives us a unique opportunity to uh, really get laser focused on some specific topics or, you know, expand it out and still be able to do this kind of thing, even though we're all in lockdown. So I'm, I've been excited to kind of kickstart this stuff. And, and this particular topic, I think, is a, a great one to get into early because you know, I started with truth. We, we, we're here now to understand like where it is we derive uh, sort of some of our social behaviors from, right? I think understanding your limitations helps you to better interact with people in the group. I think that, uh, I think that being able to have mercy and understand that everybody's got limitations as well, including yourself, is a part of that. I think that we can we can all do a better job about not putting so much pressure on each other to perform. It's a volunteer group. We're just trying to have fun. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I think that plays into the role of the uh, peerage level orders. Um, that I think that what what the what that tier of the hierarchy really has the ability to do is set the example. And so, um, I think that if you are um, aware of your own flaws, you can be more accepting of other people's. I agree 100%. Yeah. The, um, and I haven't always been good at that. I mean, that, that's something that I've had to struggle with myself. Oh, oh I know. <laughs> In case anybody's wondering, uh, Sir Bardolph's my conscience. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I it's, it's very true. It, it, you've got to uh you've got to remember what it's like to be in that situation where you panicked and you don't know what to do because even in the thing that we're doing where we're supposed to all be having fun we have those those roles where you know sometimes you're in charge of something and it's just not going your way and the more things that don't go your way the more it adds to that stress and and then when the person who's upset about the porta john being locked you know, and we've been on site for 30 minutes, uh, comes and 
confronts the, the autocrat that's already had five or six things go wrong that morning, they, they need to be able to do it with some grace, I think, because that is how you avoid piling on to the problem and, and potentially making a big to-do about something. I think that we, we're all just trying the best we can. And I think that it's very important that everybody try to practice that sort of behavior, but it's super important that if you're, if you're a peer, that you model that behavior. Yeah. Uh, and share it, spread it around, make sure that other people do it too. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, so, man, we, we're, we're blazing through this without actually having to ask direct questions, but uh, we- we well, okay with it. Yeah, I like it. Um, what about, let's talk about the, perhaps the antithesis to humility, uh, arrogance. What, what, let's define that. What makes you arrogant first, I think, and then let's, let's go into how it might be an issue in certain aspects of the society. <clears throat> um, I disagree with the notion that it's opposite fair enough because i don't think that they're mutually exclusive Ooh. in the same way that um humility is not binary it's not something that you possess you don't possess you can be arrogant and still be humble it could be in different fields um it could be about your humility like we talked about earlier um, it, it, I'm unwilling to say that they are the antithesis to each other, but rather the cure to each other. That, that if, you, if you have a tendency to be arrogant in one regard, the way to fix it is to be more humble in other regards or in that same regard. Because there are perfectly humble people that full well know their capabilities and are willing to display those, those skills, whatever they happen to be. Um, I think that if you are described as an arrogant person, um, it's probably from a lack of humility. It's not from an existence of arrogance. Okay, okay. I, uh, very cool. I, I dig that a lot. Uh, yeah, I, and I think that by doing that, you kind of turn that on its ear and in that now we we have sort of uh we're thinking about solutions to an issue you know what i'm saying like correct correct yeah i don't think that i don't think that that obviously nobody's set in stone there's not just like there's not people who are humble they're not people who are arrogant they have arrogant tendencies they have personality traits they're perhaps their their upbringing their environment has led them to find these things more difficult. Perhaps um, you do have um, uh, low self-esteem and you overcompensate by telling everybody about how great you are, or perhaps you got ignored as a kid or whatever, and you just need attention. There's nothing wrong with wanting attention. I like attention. I'm recording myself talking about how to not care about people, what people think about you. That's not the way to not get attention. So it's, um, they're, they're, they're sort of the same coin, but they're not opposite sides of it so it's not a coin <laughs> a bad analogy <laughs> you'll have that from time to time <laughs> it's just one face of the coin with like you know a jagged line across it 
It's a yin yang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've lost it. We, we yeah, need to move on. Well, okay. So now that we've defined the scope of perhaps how humility and arrogance interplay, um, do you feel that a do you feel there's an issue with that interplay among members of the order? Do you feel like that is something that uh, a lot of people in our order struggle with? I think that, I'm sorry, I have a phone call. And I'm oh. going to mute my phone. We, so perhaps this is a time to edit out. Perhaps. Should have muted it. Hmm. I didn't or even maybe it. Stays in for, for authenticity's sake. Could be. Um, I think that the order of chivalry does suffer from it because there is an abundance of valor and prestige that uh, because we require members of the order to be um, exceptional fighters um, and because we, they, we have an expectation that they are leaders, we also have a tendency to produce people who accept those positions, who um, just like our, our, mm, our identity is created by our, by our environment. And so when um, the crown, the crown does not, you know, a lot of, a lot of members of the crown are not a member of the order of chivalry, but, but when everyone says that you're the coolest person around, it's very easy to think that you're the coolest person around. Sure. Yeah. And so I think, and so I think that um, the chivalry does suffer from it probably to a greater extent than the other orders. For sure. For the, for the simple fact of they tend to be the ones that, um, win crown tournament they tend to be the ones that get on the face of all of the you know if there's a tv interview or whatever it tends to be that they're the ones out there talking and, and being the the face of the organization um yes i do think it's a problem was that the question yeah basically <laughs> yeah and then maybe how do how do we address this like what's what are some ways that we can uh um encourage this to sort of even itself out I, don't, yeah. I think that I think that now that you've introduced this idea that it's kind of a it's kind of a continuum moving uh, you can have greater or lesser uh, sort of concentrations of the two um, I think it's it's not it's not so easy to say we can solve it but we can certainly seek to balance it out oh yeah right I mean we're not gonna sit down here and solve anything right, there's right. Not, that's not that's not what we're doing but I do think that um, legitimately these sorts of conversations help you know, I, I hope that I hope that um, you and I will be able to walk away from this and and understand it a little bit more intimately and help explain it to somebody else. Um, yeah, I certainly think that that's the one of the goals of this uh, podcast is to uh, provide some context uh, from people that I've appreciated over the years uh to people that may never get to see you or ever get to talk to you face to face you know or you know maybe they do get to see you but you know, you know philosophy talks are not always uh uh they're not always planned and scheduled sometimes they just happen spontaneously so, those you know, are the best ones yeah those are the best true ones. so i think that even though this isn't spontaneous by any means it's certainly uh it's certainly a way to kind of see a window into uh some of the ways of thinking certainly from 
where we live here in uh, the Outlands, but you know, also uh, people uh, being a kingdom on the western half of the United States versus the east. You know, there's all kinds of uh, things that pepper how we think because of where we came from. So I think that uh, that if this can be a vehicle for teaching any virtue, but most especially humility, that that's going to be great. I hope it works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on the on the subject of chivalry, um, I, I think that um, <clears throat> it's a it's a hard thing to call out, right? Like if somebody is being immodest, it's a hard thing to stand up and say, "You you are the one who's screwing up," because I don't it, because that is in itself sort of immodest. But I don't. It's also it exists sort of in the background. It's sort of a subtle flaw as far as as far as sins or character flaws tend to go. It's a fairly subtle one. And it tends to flow with other issues, and so I think that there's not an instance when not that they're not that they don't exist, but that they're probably much more rare than other issues to stop somebody and say, "Hey, what you're doing, you need to you need to absolutely stop it right now," because it doesn't. I don't know that it affects immediate damage very often, and so I think it's probably more um, valuable to put our effort into helping people transition than turn. Yeah. Okay. I, I, yeah, I would agree with that as well. Um, it's weird. Uh, I think that um, I I think that it, in a way, some of the uh, some of the way that we deal with arrogance uh, is very subtle. Uh, I think that we shame people sometimes not so subtly, but I think sometimes uh, it bears its own fruit. If you know what I mean, like being that way causes people to kind of retract or become very false. I, I I'm always on the lookout for that kind of behavior because I, I look at it as, as a social indicator that maybe I've said something that I didn't mean to, or maybe I've, you know, uh, cross the line that I didn't know was there you know I think that uh we're all subject to it certainly but I, I think that some of us recognize it better than others and I think that in our society we've got a lot of different types of folk so some people are really good at picking up on social cues and some are terrible at it and I think that uh I think where we get into trouble is when we have uh somebody who can't pick up that people don't appreciate this behavior that you're exhibiting, right? And when that first kind of rudimentary layer of social, I guess, checking doesn't work, like it's hard to step up and say, you know, uh, look, dude, what you're doing is like making everybody uncomfortable or, or what you're doing makes you look like an ass. And that's, that's rough. It just is. I, I think it's hard to, uh, it's, it's hard to regulate in that manner. Well, and I think that, that the um, presumed response from many people when you're going to um, shame them or correct them, however you want to think about it, is probably defensive. I think it's pretty natural to say, oh, I'm not doing anything wrong, which is in itself sort of a lack of humility. To assume that you're not doing anything wrong or to assume that you're doing no damage is uh, sort of at the, the crux of what we're talking about that that 
you need to be aware that very few actions are entirely pure. That, that it is uh, very difficult to find an example of something that does only good. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that's because resources are limited and things, you know, all things being equal, sometimes uh, you've got to take in order to give. I mean, that's just kind of how uh, decisions work. Sometimes uh, the one decision means the other goes without, so to speak. You know? And I think it, I think it bleeds into other ideas of service that, that, that there's a, a, if there, if you have to make a decision that makes a sacrifice for somebody, there is a, uh, purity and making yourself the, the, the victim of that sacrifice. Sure. That, that if there's going to be people who suffer, why not have it be the order of chivalry or myself or, or my household, right? Like they, if, if you have the ability to take the brunt of the damage, it is a good thing to do that. Sure. And I think that, uh, I think that's certainly another way in which humility can be, uh, factored into the role of the peers and roles of the chivalry, uh, especially. Absolutely. It's, uh, there are some situations where we as knights and masters hold ourselves accountable for dealing with those issues. Um, yeah. I, you know, and, and, and I find that to be fascinating. I think it, it, it's, not, it's not written down in any of our laws. Everybody in this kingdom is able to customize that oath oath if they choose there's got to be some specific things in that oath but there's there's some folks that commit to wildly different things in their oaths of chivalry but we all have these kind of standard things that like when they come up the chivalry just deals with it uh, and one of them is or one of them that has been brought up time and time again is watch shifts like you know if uh if they're short on watch shifts, the first place you go is to a, a representative of the chivalry and say, "Hey, can you talk to some of your uh, your your fellow members and, and can we get this fixed?" And, and they will do a, it. It's certainly not a bad place to start. Yeah. Yeah, and and I I have found I have found more often than not that because that's a role that is identified with protecting. And uh, it's identified with safety and it's identified with, um, you know, doing the right thing for the better, for the collective good. I think that it's sort of a, it's, it's an enticing thing for somebody in the chivalry or on the path to chivalry to participate in. So I think that, I think that taking on that sacrifice has a benefit uh, a whole on the whole benefit other than just maybe being an act of humility, but also being sort of like this opportunity to present oneself as being the knight in shining armor that we all want to see, you know, the, the, right. the example, uh, right. you know, uh, I think that um, it's, it's an interesting interplay. And I think that because we've made the distinction that they're not, they're not mutually exclusive concepts. It's making me think about this a little bit deeper. You know what I'm saying? Like that one should be careful to not only do those things to be seen, but it's okay to understand that doing them gives you a sense of satisfaction and a sense of giving to the community. And that's something that you should encourage. So this is the thing um, I'm going to, 
I was waiting for you to stop talking so I can mess up your audio. Um, <laughs> I, uh, this is a thing that I, I think I wanted to touch on earlier that I didn't get to um, is about intent. I'm, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm big on intent. Um, I think that um, one of the things that my mother was very good on talking to me about both, both uh, tertiarily and directly um, was the idea of purity of action that, that if what you're doing is for a selfish means, then it sort of dilutes the value of your action. And so, like you said, like if you're, if you're taking a shift to be seen, if you're going, if you're traveling to a, some foreign event specifically to showcase yourself because you want the chivalry to notice you or because you are, are um, doing it for any other reason than that it would be enjoyable to yourself or beneficial to others, um, it, it dilutes the water. Um, I think it's very important. And I, and I think that it's a very personal thing because I cannot tell what your intent is easily. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's easier than others. Um, if, if you take all of your actions as um, say a squire, if you're, if you're somebody who, is, who strives to be a member of the order of chivalry and every action you take is what's the next step to join that order, um, I personally will think less of you. I personally will think that you are less deserving than somebody who is doing the, doing the thing because it needs to be done. Uh, acting in a way that is uh, pure. Yes, and I, I we've talked before about uh, you are definitely somebody who looks for people with initiative. Uh, yes. You know, not not waiting to be told that it has to happen, but just jumping in. Um, you know, having the conversations that need to be had, and then acting. You know, and um, and I think that that's a good that's a good practice to encourage anybody to get into is to never, never wait for somebody else to, to make the call. If there's yeah, some, that, some things are obvious, right? Oh my yeah. God, that tent is falling over. Somebody has to go stop that tent from falling over. So somebody should go do that. Right. Yeah. And, if, and if your first reaction is who's going to do that when you, if you are physically capable of doing it yourself, you've messed them up. Yeah. 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 I, um, I would also agree that, uh, well, I guess what I mean is, is that there are ways to coach uh, a student, perhaps, in, in how we accomplish, or maybe, maybe, maybe let me say this. How is it that you would encourage somebody that you're mentoring uh, to pick up some of these habits, how do we how do we practice it? How do we get people that maybe lack some of these, uh, I guess, uh, skills and or uh, traits? How do we encourage it and, and and help it grow in those who are deficient? Can we specify? Are you talking about initiative or more specifically humility or? I, I, well, humility in general, but we've identified a couple of things that can be a good indicator or good things to do. Um, including uh, what we just mentioned about, um, I'm sorry, what do we, crap. 
What was it? You just said it. Initiative. There we go. Initiative. Editable. Yes. Well, maybe. <laughs> I might get lazy. Um, but initiative. Your question, your question is, I believe it was that, how do we teach? How would I go about teaching somebody how to do something? <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Um, be more humble. Uh, or, or, or how do we encourage humility as a virtue? outside of simply just being an example, it, can it be done? Yes, I think so. Um, I personally, I have two squires and I had a conversation with them before they were, before they became my squire um, uh, about that my goal was not to, to get them admitted into any of these works. My, my, the, the purpose of them becoming my student was never to achieve knighthood or join any of the peerage orders. That was never, that was never the point. My, my purpose for them was always to help them be as good as they can possibly be. And I uh, have attempted to encourage them to come to me if they have issues about anything that they're struggling with in that regard. So the first thing that I would tell somebody um, on how to be more humble is to um, let go of your expectations. Um, I think that there's a lot of, I think that uh, um, a lot of disappointment is derived from assuming something is going to happen. Oh, I would agree with that wholeheartedly, yes. And so I think that if you start to think that you deserve something, that people should be appreciating you more than they are, um, you need to stop is the first thing. So, so I think that humility is very valuable. I, I, <laughs> I'm humility's number one fan. Um, I, uh, I, uh, you can't, I, again, it comes down to intent. You can't just want to be recognized for your actions because it, it dilutes the water. If you do a cool thing and somebody derives value from it, there will be more value derived from them finding it and appreciating it than you holding their hand and showing them what you've done. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I, I could see where I think that I think what I'm getting after is these conversations should happen. You know, not yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, I, and I think that this is one of the ones where discussing it helps you to identify it more readily when it happens when other people are doing it. I think it also helps you to recognize some of the shortfalls you may have in yourself. And I think that encouraging our students or anybody that comes to us to just be more reflective yes. is, is something yes. that can contribute to their humility. I yes. think that, uh, sorry, go ahead. go ahead. I think that that's how I have tried to cope with, I guess, coming into my own as a peer, understanding that I do have a certain way of thinking about certain aspects of what we're doing. We're all entitled to that as members of the peerage. I teach my squires the way that I feel is appropriate and I respect others for what that they are taking on squires and teaching and that is hard to do because sometimes we think we're really right we're like we really do have the one true answer on this subject or that's or the whole topic but the truth is is we probably don't and and as long as somebody's not actively teaching something immoral as being the right way to deal with something. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna decry somebody else's 
vision of what chivalry is right. in terms of what their virtues are, you know, the oaths they swear, you know, the traditions that they hold as a member of their line. There's things that, that we have done in my lineage, although it'd be a short one, that have been very consistent. And I'm sure you could probably speak to that as well, being part of a decent, decently uh, involved lineage, both from my lineage is as long as yours, man. I know, but I think that I think that it's weird because you have your parents as well. Yes, my very and, my very immodest upbringing. Right, and that's and 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 you alluded to the fact that you, like they had a ton of students, and yes. I think that all of those definitely have that impact, and 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 ultimately when when we encourage people to look at themselves regularly and even be self-critical to a certain extent uh it helps us to to keep that in check and to be more uh humble in our just comings and goings yeah 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 um there's there's a, a thing that i have that I have witnessed and a phenomenon that I have witnessed that I think sort of relates back to how it can impact how humility and intent can impact how the order should act. And that is that when people, I've witnessed it a lot, that, that people who are acting, I need to clarify my thought, but people who are, are, are doing something just for the reward, when they get the reward, they stop. Yes. So if, if every action you take was to end, was a means to an end, when you hit the end, the game is over. You won. Hooray. Congratulations. Now go do something else, I guess, because that wasn't your goal was never to appreciate the moment, to um, um, find find joy in, in what you were doing. It was always to achieve a victory. And so when you get elevated to chivalry or whatever, whatever your goal happened to be, when you achieve that, you no longer feel like you have to um, keep playing. Sure. Is that a flaw in our hierarchical system? I think it's a flaw in any hierarchical system, but I think that humility can help. So that's how we combat that issue. I think so. I think okay. that, I think that to, to feel like it's something that you need to strive for misses the point of the action. Indeed. So I, yeah. Okay. So identifying what it really needs to be kind of helps us to understand that, I guess, how to pursue it correctly. Or and maybe yeah. not, you know, not correctly, uh, but with more of of what we I guess we've said before, a pure intent. We're we're doing things for the right reason. Right. It's a causality issue. We don't we don't we don't make we, we do we, we do we don't we do. It's it, one guy decides that you get to be a member of an order. This is one person. There's no there's no order decision involved here. One person gets to decide this. But as an order, we do not admit people into the order who fix tents because that's what knights do we and masters i'm sorry i'm getting my language all messed up but the 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 order is not full of people who fix tents because that's what knights do it's full of people who fix tents because that's what they do ah there you go i like that i like i like that distinction that you just made um yeah it's a personal habit it's not about you do it because you have a position or a hat to wear. Right. Yes, exactly. exactly. Like uh, people, I think truly humble people in the order of chivalry are humble in their real lives. Yes. And I think that, I think that goes back to um, maybe some of the base motivations for playing a game. 
I think some people, I think some of the most, I think some of the people that have the tendency to be more arrogant in our society um, use the society as an escape from their mundane life. They, 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 they have had some sort of great success and I've seen this with fighters particularly, but I'm sure it is um, prevalent in the other uh, kind of disciplines and interests. But I've seen fighters that they got a pretty lackluster job and career. Um, it's not that they're living terribly. It's just, you know, they, they're not necessarily happy with how their regular life is going. But in the SCA, they're Duke so-and-so. And you can't talk to them that way and this, that, and the other. And it gives them this kind of like, inflated sense of self and um i think that i think it's very human to like sort of sip at that cup and want more but i think it's also uh, very important that we do not overindulge in such things because at the end of the day you really are joe nobody who's a plumber and none of this is really real so you can't treat people poorly just because you happen to be the cool person at the moment. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's, there's a, um, again, a tendency that when everyone tells you that you're important, you start to think that you're important. And, and there's, there's, uh, uh, there is, uh, there have been times in which I reminded somebody that you're just standing in my kitchen. It's like, I don't care who you are, what you are as a human standing across from me. And we're just having a conversation. So you don't get to pull rank. And very, very frequently, the idea of pulling rank devalues the rank. Like I mentioned earlier about the hierarchy, that, that our hierarchy is imagined. It's made up. I mean, it exists, right? I mean, this, this distinction between people who think of there is the SEA and then there is the real world, it doesn't exist. That, that's, that is um, insane nothingness. Um, you are who you are. And if you want to go and role play something else, that doesn't change who you are when you're not role-playing. So even if you're pretending to be something, it still affects who you really are. So. And I think, I think that's what makes us different from uh, like uh, a live action role-play. Yeah. I think there's an expectation that, you know, you, you can't go and play the comic book villain and be a total jerk all the time and then come back be okay when the spotlight's not on you like people hold grudges in our group when you say not nice things to them and like they take it seriously because i think that even though we're playing a role we don't we don't practically switch over to acting like it's not it's not a renaissance fair and i think that some people think it ought to be treated that way and 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 that there has to be theater and I think the only time that you can really get away with that is like in court where it actually is theater. Yeah. I'm not opposed to the idea of theater, um, but to separate yourself from the character you're playing is impossible. Yes, I would agree. And I think, I don't think it's as big a deal as it maybe once was. I've heard you discuss this before in in the context of it being much more prevalent at one point in time in the earlier years of our, of our group in in, in, in Albuquerque, but like, I have seen it occasionally and, 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 and it's still, it's not necessarily folks that have been in forever. It's, I think it's, um, I think it's an interesting phenomenon where you get these folks that want to uh, 
have a different set of consequences or be treated differently when they are in their SCA persona versus when they're Joe Blow on the street. And or, or, or the other way around, right? I, I've sure. seen it go both ways, that somebody is like, well, I'm not that person, or I am that person. I am the king of the outlands, and I'm in your kitchen. It's like, no, you're not. You're in my kitchen, and we're just hanging out. You, you need to stop that. Um, there's a, there's a, a, a thing that I have seen in, I have not traveled very much. I have not been to very many kingdoms, but there is a, a continuous thing that I have seen throughout the SEA um, that is that the crown will take their crown off to do something unreadable. And that is also patent insanity because just because you're wearing the crown doesn't mean that you're the crown because right. you took, you took the oath, you did the thing. It's like that, the, the, the piece of jewelry is not the idea of the crown. I mean, it's just, just like the language of talking about it as the crown that, that we're not talking about you as a person. We're talking about the idea of the leader of the hierarchy that we've established. Right. And, 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 pretending that you can take all of that and put it into an object and magically remove it for a length of time is, is silly. So you can tell a dirty joke or whatever. Yeah. yeah it doesn't, no. it's nothing. Yeah. Come on, man. We've gotten a little bit off topic here, but it's all related. You I think so. Well, no, well, a bunch of the questions I had were like more formal. Just uh, what's the next question. Let's just go to the next question. This what, how done, how done is it? We'll just be like, no, next, next. <laughs> Uh, um, let's see. We already talked about we already talked about encouraging people. How we can do that to 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 encourage them to be more accountable to one another, more uh, yeah. humble. Let's talk about your thoughts on virtue signaling in this new age of electronic media. Uh, we have more and more people doing more and more SCA related things online, and uh, we are seeing uh, a lot of different things happen in regards to. Uh, new platforms popping up, people getting upset with one another, and so on and so forth. And this new concept of virtue signaling has come out. Um, and I'm not, I'm not super familiar with it. It's one of those things that I've heard a lot about, but I haven't really looked into because it just doesn't, it doesn't interest me enough to want to entertain myself with it, which I think is what some people do. But I know it's a thing. Have you encountered it? What do you think about it? I am aware of it i don't <laughs> this is weird i don't believe in it in certain regards okay let's talk about that because i don't i think that it's it needs to be defined very clearly because i think it's extremely contextual because if you are talking about a uh, individual person putting something on social media talking about how great they are that's I don't know. It's just them. I, I, it, 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 it seems to matter. It seems to me that the idea of virtue signaling is, I mean, first off, it's extremely mundane. Um, I think that it developed from probably brands trying to be, look, look like they care about a problem. Okay. That makes sense. Like, like I think it, I think it has to do with scale and impact that, um, if, if you personally want to talk about how cool you are online, but that doesn't reflect how you are offline, it doesn't affect me very much. Right. So I, I think where I land on virtue signaling is that I don't care and I don't understand why people care. But perhaps, perhaps somebody could educate me on this in the comments down below. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> um, I think that you hit on some pretty key notes that 
there's got to be an audience for it to occur, I think is part of the problem is that you can only be, you can only be accused of virtue signaling if somebody cares enough to tell you what you're doing. Like I, that's why I don't really know much about it. I know, I kind of, I think I understand what the concept is, is that, you know, you're putting stuff out there to sort of um, influence other people into saying the same thing or agreeing with you because it is the virtuous thing to do or it's the perceived right thing to do. You know, it's, it's like a sort of social engineering done on the very, on a very small scale. And I think it, I think that it's, I think it's directly in response to trying to mimic what you just said. It, you, it's looking at like maybe these ad campaigns that come out that, um, that try to show uh, that this corporation has some sort of moral conscience about what they're doing or this, that, and the other. And, and then it's been applied to a like individual and it, I, I don't know. I just, if, if nobody cares that you're doing it, then. Yeah. I don't, I don't know um, why. I mean, do you have any examples of how it's shown up in the SEA? I mean, have you seen a, a people in, in our, in our new very foreign online SEA environment? Um, have you seen people claiming virtue signaling as a means of, of whatever progressing themselves? Not necessarily. I just, I know that it's something that's, that's has the potential to occur. And okay. since we've both kind of established that we don't really, I don't care for it. Let's care for it. Yeah. We can, we can always, we can say that that's that and we'll deal with it when it happens. Let's talk about something we know nothing about and haven't thought about. That's <laughs> yeah, man. I was hoping like we're the authorities. Like we know everything about it. Well, I thought you, I thought, and, and I have thought, I have thought about it some, but it seems like nothing. It feels yeah, like nothing. Yeah, I, I, I thought someone, someone fight me. Someone fight me in the comments. You, you I'll, were, I'll I figured you were the expert, so we could, you know. Oh, I hate that. I am the expert, huh? Uh, <laughs> so um, we kind of touched on this a little bit, but let's let's kind of refocus and talk about what what is it that we need to do if we have strayed off the path of being humble. And we've discussed a little bit about, you know, the, 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 the cure for arrogance would be then to be more uh, humble in some way or some aspect or the same aspect. But is it, does a fighter ever really shake off that reputation? Is it something that you've seen happen in your experience? You've been around a long time. Do people get a reputation for being arrogant and then beat that? Some people do. Um, I so think it has I'll, happened. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, our sport is interesting um, because we, our sport requires humility because the losers decide the winners. Exactly. That I I have to accept that you beat me in order for the match to be over, and so that requires a level of humility. And so when I see um, somebody who is not taking a shot that I think is um, probably a perfectly acceptable blow, um, I view that as a lack of humility. Um, because whether it's because you think you were going to beat them or because you thought you blocked it or whatever, it's it's a uh, inflated sense of self. And I have seen some fighters get over it. I have seen some fighters that have never gotten over it. And um, 
there's um i think it blends into their personality in a way that like uh my father is sort of notorious for being a thick guy um that that people have to fight him there's there's um a lot of stories about him just needing you have to hit him hard you just have to keep or he's not done fighting you have to keep fighting him um and uh you know i don't know that it's um refusing to take a shot blatantly is i think a lack of humility um there is context within these if you know i have been in fights when i just decided i wasn't done fighting and kept wrestling the guy because we were friends and it turned into a wrestling match rather than armored combat because we're friends and that's a joke right it, it can be it can be a fun thing um but i don't know yeah i think that it's I think that it is something that you can overcome, but I think that the first thing you need to do is recognize it. And so if you have uh, developed a reputation for being thick and you want to figure out how to be better, the first thing is to acknowledge that you are thick, right? That, that if, you are, if you refuse to accept that you have a problem, you're never gonna fix it. Exactly. Yeah. I. Um... I think that that's been a big part of my journey over the last several years is to reflect a lot, have conversations like these and establish what my limitations are so that when something doesn't go the way I want it to, I'm not apt to blame someone else or the conditions. I'm apt to look at myself first and say, okay, where did I go wrong? what did I forget? What, what did I, uh, what did I do that, that could have been done better? You know, I think that when I have these conversations uh, with others and, and I, and I seek out kind of feedback and then I kind of reflect on both the feedback and, and, and my own thinking, I, I, I think that that truly does help put you in the right mindset to accept when somebody comes to you and says, Hey man, I think you're being thick. Um, I was very fortunate very early in my uh, toolage as a squire uh, to have a very, a very wise young knight come to me and tell me, Hey man, uh, what was going on in that last fight? And, and the conversation that ensued because he was so kind and merciful in his approach and he wasn't attacking me. He was he was making me ask myself a question. Um, really opened my eyes to that reflective process that then I think led to me fighting better, that led to no longer having an issue with somebody, uh, my calibration of my legs essentially is what it was. And and I think that I think that self-reflection is a good tool for reform regardless, but particularly in the case of humility. I think there's not a whole lot of other option. Nobody's going to like lecture you into being humble. You've got to think about, again, your limitations, what you're capable of, accept that you have them, and then don't assume that everything that doesn't go the way you want is because of the world being against you. Like sometimes things just uh, don't go right. And you've got to be able to, uh, uh, not take it personally, perhaps, and and, um, and deal with things based on the truth of the matter and not how you feel about it at, at the moment sometimes. 
Yeah, uh, our, our, I mean, we, we, yeah, we've sort of veered into more directly about fighting, but I think that our particular sport has a lot of facets in that regard, that no one's in your helmet but you, and so you get to make your own calls. Our, our current set of technology has provided a lot of instances where I will look at a photo and be like, ooh, I don't think I took that shot. Oh, I probably should have. It looks really good. But at the time, I didn't notice it or I didn't feel it, whatever, right? Like there's a lot that happens. Right? There's a lot going on in the context of a fight. Um, the other portion of it is that the person who feels as though you were being thick, right? Like we're, now we're getting down to the micro one-on-one -on -one interaction, right? If, if the, instead of the reputation of someone who is thick rather than a single fight where someone says, hey, I really thought I got it. Um, it is also on that person to not assume that they beat you, right? That Very is also true. a facet of humility because uh, there are plenty of times that I thought, well, I thought I got them, but it's their call. It doesn't, you know, um, the, the humility of it for me comes with, uh, this is, I think that fighting is great for this because I think that it really brings in all of my ideas surrounding humility and really isolates it down to single instances. Um, First off, it doesn't matter. I don't care if I win because I'm enjoying fighting. Um, as much as um, I, <laughs> this is uh, something that I have dealt with a lot and that is that I am aggressively non-competitive. I don't really care what the outcome of the event is, is that it just happened. Um, and that's not always true. I have, I have flaws. I, 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 there have been fights that I got in that I walked away mad because I really thought I got them and they didn't take it. And that son of a bitch needs to, needs to get their head on straight. But it, 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 it plays into all of the directions that, that you need to, first off, not care so much. Second off, not assume that you are better than them. They need to not assume that they're better than you. And it really needs to be about um, honest communication because as much as it is the fighter's job to call when a shot is good, it is the, I'm sorry, the defender's job to call when a shot is good. It is the attacker's job to make sure that that shot is good. Yes. Yes. So if, if I don't take a shot from you because I didn't notice it, it obviously wasn't hard enough, didn't land clean, whatever. It, it, it's not all on the receiving end to decide whether or not a shot was good. It is a give and take. Yes. I, uh, I think that's well put. I think that, um, I, I think that, it's interesting that you brought up this other side of that of that coin of being humble in a fight is is that uh you've got you really have to in our system if you're doing it right you have to accept the communication that's being given to you oh yeah and, you have to you have to respect your opponent absolutely yes. yes i think that when we do see breakdowns that's exactly what causes it more often than not is that there's there is a lack of respect the other, the other example is when there's a lack of uh, familiarity. I think sometimes uh, not knowing how the person behaves in a fight and fighting them for, for the first time or the first couple of times and you don't have the greatest experience, it, it may be simply because uh, they're from a different place or they've come from a different background. I think one can be gotten over. I think the other one is a little bit more complicated. Well, and I think that humility can help with that. I think that if, if I go into a fight with somebody I've never fought before and I assume nothing about them, I don't care if they're a duke or a lord or nobody, it doesn't matter. I don't know anything about them. We're just going to go fight and I'm going to be as honorable as possible. 
And I assume I'm willing to make the assumption that they're going to be as honorable as possible. Right. And if I approach every fight that way, it will, I think, produce the best outcomes. Yeah, because I, I think you'll find more often than not that that's exactly what it is. I think that... And I think it's the, the kind of behavior that we need to encourage. Our, our, th- our, our sport thrives on those sorts of um, interactions. Yes, and I think that... I think we're very unique in the way that we uh, determine victory for, for opponents. I think that... Uh, I think when you fight with joy in your heart and you fight, like you mentioned before, because you just like the fight, um, I think it can be hard for others to even accept sometimes when you do that. I know that I've watched people console you after a loss in a tournament and, and you still got a big old grin on your face because man, he got me with that. Oh, he got me with that shot. You know I mean? And, and I've heard you talk about it passionately about, you know, the, the shot that killed you, that put you out more than, well, you know, I lost, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and I like that mindset myself. I go to practice specifically with that mindset. Practice is about getting better. It's not about who wins fighter practice. It's about how can we all learn and get better at the same time in this same spot right here today. So if somebody gets me, they get me. And I think if you go in with a humble attitude as a group and everybody can talk to everybody and give good feedback and have that communication, you can do crazy stuff. I firmly believe it's the reason why the guys that I came up with all are now knights. And we all are, are, are we're, we're a powerhouse melee team when we fight, the four of us fight together. Modesty, uh, modesty, you know. You know, we all got, yeah, exactly. We all got to a point to where it was like, we're going to call shots correctly. We're going to trust each other. And when, when we are open to that kind of feedback, you can really, really tune in your mechanics and, and what you're doing and not, and you can shed this whole pretense of, well, I should be better than this other person because of whatever, make up the reason. It doesn't matter. Well, and it makes you a better fighter. If, if I win a fight because I refuse to take a shot, that's not the same as I want to fight because I blocked it or I dodged or whatever. Right. If it, if I legitimately avoided being struck that means that I was the better fighter. And so the, the mentality of um, accepting whatever is a good shot, whatever that may be, that I think will help you develop your skills as within the sport. Yeah. And I think that having a, the overall mentality of you can only control yourself really can help you stay in that humble mindset. Because at the end of the day, whether my opponent takes it or doesn't or I take it or doesn't is totally contingent on our own selves. I cannot, I, I can think I hit him as much as I want, but if he's not taking the shot that day, if she's not taking the shot that day, it's it must have not been good. Yeah. It must've not been good. And you know what? I will train and get better. And yeah. there have definitely been fights where I didn't feel that way, where I felt the exact opposite, which is, I know I got that person. I mean, I think we're all, I think we're all subject to it. I think it's a part of the human condition, but I think if you can keep yourself in that mindset of I can only control me and I cannot assume that I hit them hard enough, even when I really think I did, you know, I I think we can all derive better outcomes from having that mindset. 
I think you're right. It makes you a better fighter. I think it just makes you a better person. Dealing with adver- dealing with adversity that way is a much better way to go through life because that's a fight is just a great analogy for adversity. You can't control the other person. And in our case, you can't even control necessarily if the outcome is going to provide you with the thing you want. That is a great analogy for a lot of what happens in the real world. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So if you can maintain that, that mindset, not only will you save yourself a lot of anxiety moving through the world, but I think that you will naturally have a tendency to advance and get better at what you're trying to do. I, I firmly believe that playing this game because it's fun to do new things is the best motivation there is. And, and anything else is just trying to find that cookie at the end of, of, of the path and leads to what you discussed earlier, which is those people just, usually stop playing because they got and, what they and, want. And I, and I think it's worth being clear that that's not a bad thing, right? Like if, sure. you, if you play a game to its conclusion and you're done with it after the conclusion, that's not bad. I mean, in, in the same vein of you need to just appreciate the moment for what it is, uh, the people that I have witnessed gain their peerage and then quit the game forever, I still have plenty of good memories of coming up and watching them grow or, or, or growing with them, right? It's not, those people are not inherently wrong. But I do think that if you're talking about the greater context of the SEA, it's more valuable to focus on the individual moments than the end goal. Sure. And, and I think that that's what's kept me so grounded in wanting to stick around. It's certainly why I wanted to be the Baron uh, is, is to try the new thing, see what impact I could have, recognize some people, you know, I mean, those are all, you know, I think that. Yeah. Isn't, can, isn't getting awards like a crazy immodest thing too? Yeah. It's crazy. Um, you know, Yeah. <laughs> I think I, and we're going to talk more about word fame in another episode and, okay, and, and okay. stuff like that. But, but to just touch on that, I, I think that, I think that, being a, a landed noble puts you in a position where you might make the mistake and, and not be modest uh, and not, not be humble. But I think that one of the ways that you can certainly affect the group and in some small way uh, kind of remain humble is to take whatever status that you have, whatever status the people have given you and use it to shower recognition upon others. Yes. I think, I think, I think the purpose of a Baron and Baroness and a, and a King, Queen, Prince, Princess, whatever the case may be, any seated noble is first and foremost to elevate the group and those who play. And if, if you elevate those people, they will do the best things possible. They will be the most creative. They will be the uh, most cooperative. They will get along better. They, you are not there to lord over them. And you have to remember that when you go into a position like being the baron of a place or, or being the princess or being the, the king or queen. You've got to be able to uh, remember that um, your skill got you there and you should be proud of that. In, in many cases, whether it's skill at arms or your skill at being able to interact with people, because a lot of times that's really what we're basing B and B's off of. Um, that's true, but you're not there 
to use that for your own benefit. You're there to help the group have a have a sort of a, a, a focus, a path forward. You, you, you're, you're, you're the program. You're, you're okay. trying, you're trying to help people have a good time. I just, I, you just said it perfectly. And I think that that is the actionable thing that you can do to help somebody else be um, more modest. Um, is that if you, if, if someone has done something that is worth recognition and you recognize it, that is a very good thing. And there's nothing, I mean, that's an immodest thing of me to say, right? It's like, well, I can help you. I will recognize you for doing a thing. But, but in the way that, that more value is derived from somebody else finding something than you holding your hand, holding their hand and guiding you to that thing. If a third party leads that person to the first party's thing, that is a, that is a directly actionable way to um, help everyone stay as humble as possible and encourage the, um, the stuff, the actual things that are happening. Yeah. Right. I think the, uh, the award system is really excellent at that. If we are not shooting for it, as long as everyone's staying humble about what they have and what they're, what they're striving towards that, yeah. uh, that, but you don't have to be in a position of power. This is my point is that you don't have, you don't even have to be a peer, right? Like it, it is, um, a, a very nice and uh, a humble thing to do to point out to uh, somebody that, it, it, that that friend B has made a thing for friend A. That, right? Do you, do you get what I'm saying? That, that, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think that, um, I think using word fame and, uh, and helping to increase another person's franchise by giving gifts or, or, or just kind words. Those are all mechanisms that anybody can utilize to, to participate in this. It, it's certainly not limited to people that have been identified as, as nobles or have won titles. Um, I think that it's certainly worth noting that if you have one of those positions, that it's better for everybody if you take on that responsibility and understand it fully yeah well and, and, and to find people who really deserve it right yes like, like to, to recognize the people who have possibly been overlooked or um or possibly um uh need to be um upl uplifted in some way and and it's funny because we we don't put repres direct representatives of the crown landed nobility in shires and that to me is funny on a couple of levels because um, a shire would be at least the shires we have in our kingdom. I'm sure there are bigger shires in other places, but the shires we have in our kingdom are generally small enough that they would be able to more effectively use an award structure. I think part of the bottleneck that occurs with being barren of a barony our size for sure is that um, I may only know somebody very superficially because maybe they only come to one or two things a year, you know, and, and uh, we really do depend on award recommendations. So I can only imagine that the crown has to really, really lean on it because they live in uh, different locations uh, than yeah, usually absolutely. the other half of the kingdom. Right. So um, absolutely. everyone should write award recommendations. It's true. It's good. It's good practice. I certainly would appreciate some. Um <laughs> But yeah, award recommendations, that sort of thing. Uh, 
I, I think. Oh, we can talk about we can talk about the the modesty of award recommendations. Yeah, about the that's value, true. The value of recognizing somebody who you might not know very well. Yes, because yes. I think there's some humility in that. You know, if if there's an award recommendation for your uh, very good friend, I think it means less. I think it means less to to talk up your buddies than it is to talk up a stranger. Uh, that's true. Uh, I think. I think if you really want to help out your close friends uh, in that way, um, it's better to engage them in activities that are obviously a good idea for them to be a part of, like um, going and uh, maybe grabbing them to go do a work crew, you know, to set up a tent because the, the big pavilion just arrived. Like being the leader in that regard is a lot easier uh, to, to, to do such things. I think that uh, that's a better way of maybe influencing your close friends is to, is to, is to lead them through action. I think uh, recommendations are definitely when I like to recognize the person that uh, did something that I wasn't expecting or that I didn't know um, they were going to do. Those are the times where I think, oh yeah, I need to really put in a recommendation for this individual because they're doing exactly what we want. They're displaying the behavior that we, that we have all wanted to see out of everybody. And I didn't even know who they were. Like, this is my introduction to them. You know, it's a really awesome uh, feeling, especially when that person then gets that award that you recommended them for. And, and I think that, uh, I think it's self-perpetuating. I think the more you write, the more you want to, because, uh, you see the fruits of that ultimately in court. Yeah, I think this, I think it bleeds back into my uh, intent. I think that, that um, you can help your friend be exposed, but if your intent is to elevate them, then that dilutes it. Sure. I think that I, I, not, but, but not that it's bad because there's still utility created, right? Like if, yeah. if like in the example of setting up a tent, Right. Like the tent still needs to go up. And so absolutely people should go work towards that tent. That's a great thing. Um, but it, but but on a, on, a, on a more personal level, if your goal is to grab your buddy and say, um, if you come help me set up this tent, you're more likely to get knighted. That's not as pure as them just going and setting up the tent. Right. I would and, and not not substantially, but I would think less of them knowing that they would not have taken the initiative themselves. So I agree with you. This is how this is how I feel about it. I don't ever tell them that's that part. Sure. Like there have been a couple of tournaments that I've hosted that I involve specific people in because I wanted to showcase their talent. Like I wanted, I wanted the kingdom to see that these, these guys, uh, these people uh, were top quality fighters. And I didn't, I didn't, that was never part of the discussion we had. I didn't come out and say that. That wasn't uh, a stated goal of, of, of the tournament. The tournament was there to entertain the populace. Actually, that was the actual stated goal and, and, and accomplished goal. Uh, but I, I think that I think it is the job of a member of the chivalry to grow the order. And I think that when people sometimes lack direction, you can be very subtle and help 
nudge them in the right direction. My night did it for me constantly. There were times when we had random conversations that I look back now and I'm like, somebody mentioned something to him and that's why we had that discussion. Or somebody said something about that and that's why we talked about that. I now understand now that the curtain has been you know, pulled away and I am now up here and I have squares of my own, like I have the ability to aid people indirectly. I don't have to talk about it. it. It's not something they need to know about. And if they tell me they don't want to do it, fine. Okay. I'm not trying to force anything on anybody, but if you, if you can influence somebody's enthusiasm, get them excited about something and get them doing uh, the things that they should be doing anyway, all's the better. I, uh, yeah. Okay. So this is um, one of the things that I think we're just going to disagree about. That's fair. Um, um, I, I believe that my night did the same thing that, that they encouraged me to go and do stuff um, that I might not have otherwise um, for, for my sake. Um, I do not believe that it is the order's job to grow the order, not in the direct sense, because I believe that's contradictory to the idea of acting with purity. So I think that it is the order's job to encourage people to be as good as possible. And then it's the crown's job to admit people into the order who are worthy of the order. Yeah, we're always going to disagree with this because it goes back to yeah. what you had talked about, uh, about your, your philosophy with your squires. Uh, you maintain a, a very, uh, you know, non-determinate sort of policy, and mine is very much a determinant. I believe that if absolutely. you if you wear a red belt, you're trying to be a knight. Yeah, absolutely. Or I like you in a red ball dress. Huh? You're, you're incorrect. You're, I like you, and you are wrong. And that's okay, because you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that for a fact. My humility knows that you are incorrect. <laughs> you can't tell me, because humility, yo. Yeah. So, and then, and honestly, I'm glad that we touched on that a little bit because I, I did pick a lot of these first guests based on, and and the topics based on things that we do agree on by and large, because I think that those opinions need to be put out there, but it is important to make a distinction that, uh, uh, people that think about modern chivalry in the context of the SCA do not agree 100%. And that's okay. And yeah. there's benefit in having these conversations and not agreeing on something. I yeah, have, absolutely. I have definitely changed my ways of thinking based on all the conversations that I've had of this kind and still retained very much of my, my core belief on this thing or that thing. It does, it's not necessarily going to break your world and make you totally change how you do stuff but um sometimes you get a little nugget in there that grows into a more complex thought that grows into maybe a changing in in one's philosophy or or, or how they implement said philosophy yeah that's weird because i've never experienced that i i just i just know it innately and i just you know i just have been right my entire life i mean <laughs> Everybody knows this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, wow, this has been really good. I, I've got a couple of more things, and these are actually very specific questions I'm asking of everybody uh, that, that, that meets a certain criteria. First of all, you got to live in the Outlands, and second of all, you got to be a member of the chivalry. So I will be talking to some folks that are n neither one of those things, so I won't ask them these questions. But okay. um, the first one is, 
if we were writing a book of nightly fables that we were going to publish, uh, these could be inflated stories, but inflated for the purposes of emphasizing uh, a, a virtue or uh, maybe emphasizing the eschewing of a vice. Um, what story from your history would you contribute to the uh, to the book of fables in order to teach a lesson to the next generation of knights that's coming up in our kingdom? So I, okay, uh, first thing I wouldn't, right? If we were writing a book, I wouldn't because I think it's a bad idea, but I will play along with your premise. Wait, 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 um, wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. It's a bad idea. It's, it's a bad idea. It's a thought experiment. We're not making a book. It's just I know, but you said the, the framing of the question was that if we were writing a book, and my first thought is, no, let's not. Let's not write a book. We, we, we can't write our own history? Is that is that too unoutlands? The exact point is that we cannot write our own history. You can write your history, but it doesn't make it history. Ah, come on. <laughs> All right, I, give, I, I, I respect the, what you're saying. I respect Yeah, you. okay. But, but let's get on to the game. Yeah, yeah. play the game. Okay. Okay, so um, um, I like that we're gonna we're gonna um, talk about humility for an hour, and then you're like, "Well, talk about yourself." It's it's a good practice. Come on. <laughs> um, okay, um, I I don't know. Are you cussing on your channel? Um, it's not. Foul language is not becoming of a member of the Order of Chivalry. Sure, but is it in the context of telling the story, or are you gonna curse it? It is. It's pertinent to the story, but I, I can censor myself and that's okay. Oh, do that then. Okay, so um, this is about humility. Um, there was a time when I was um, in your station, I was the Baron of Alberon, and um, I had the intent to um, give up a fake award. And it is a fake award in that it is not recognized by the College of Heralds. Um, it is made up within the barony. It is mostly a joke. And it is for the Keepers of the, keepers of the Bell. So um, it's partially an Alberon joke, but I'll try and make it as vague as possible so that other, so it's more approachable to the audience. Um, so um, at Outlandish, um, which is a, a large event that we have in Alberon, um, I, my intent was to sneak up on this individual and give them this award. And so um, it was pretty late in the night. And so I actually shut down the party. I turned off all the lights and I sort of, there was not very many people left, maybe a dozen, two dozen people left at this party. Um, and I turned off all the lights and, and without telling anybody and just was sort of like a go on, move about your business sort of thing. And the goal was to sneak up on them and ambush them and give them this award because I know that it was something that they coveted. Um, in the con in the process of doing this, um, it was very dark and I had my retinue and I had my herald and we were going to go do this thing. And somebody came up from behind us and said, what are you doing? And what I said was, Shh, shut the f up. And when I turned around, it was the crown of the Outlands. And so <laughs> I... I, I had this uh, uh, moment of realizing that I had messed up, that I um, perhaps should have not been speaking in such a manner, and perhaps my uh, I was too focused on my goal. Um, 
And, and <laughs> it turns out that, that uh, uh, the crowd was very forgiving and very understanding and probably drunk enough to not maybe even remember. I don't know if they remember. It's Tam. Tam, do you remember? Let me know. Um, and, 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 we, and we, we, he moved on very quickly. It was, it was a joke then and there. And um, then I moved on to do the thing and it was great. And that was very fun to, to give the award. Um, but it, it was in that moment and then in the next day in reflection, um, a very um, pertinent moment of how to not think so full of yourself that you should ever tell anybody to shut up in such harsh words um, because, uh, because none of it's that important because it's just rude. <laughs> There's no reason to be like that. Yeah, I, I think... Um... I think a lot of interaction breaks down to very simple uh, ways of thinking. Like, you know, is this, is this a benefit or is it going to only cause harm, you know, and yeah. knowing, and knowing that, yeah, something, nothing is so important that we should cause harm. Well, and I even shut down the party. It's like a reflection. It's like, well, I probably ruined somebody's night. Like I, it seemed like it was winding down anyway, but it was pretty late in the night. Whatever. I turned off the lights and everyone dispersed, but Maybe I shouldn't have done that. I don't know. But at the time, it seemed like such a good idea that went so poorly. <laughs> I left. Um, so then I have another, I was thinking about this, um, um, about, about another story that, that um, it does not involve me so much, that of um, right action, that, that there is sometimes the right thing to do. And this was uh, from when I was a squire, um, and uh, this is about Sir Elijah Tinker. So um, we were at an event and it was the last night of the event and we were playing drinking games. And Sir Elijah had spent the entire event in a um, suit of armor. He was on a quest and he like, I think literally the entire event, he wore this plate mail. I remember. And, and I think that he slept in it and he was uh, uh, venturing. He, he was really looking for something. And um, so it was the last night of the event, and it was pretty quiet. Um, and uh, we were in a uh, tent, and we were playing drinking games. And um, I, for anybody who knows Sir Elijah, um, he's not a very forceful person. He's uh, uh, very um, uh, humble. He doesn't. He is not imposing on anybody. Very funny, very nice guy. But um, he was drinking with us and he was hanging out with us. And I think, I can't remember him. I feel like his helmet was sitting on the table, but that probably doesn't make sense because I don't think the, the table was that sturdy, but whatever, he didn't have his helmet on. Um, but there was somebody sitting at the table with us that um, was getting belligerent and started cheating for whatever game we were playing. And um, we were all getting pretty frustrated with him and we didn't really know how to deal with it, probably because we were all a little bit drunk. Um, but when he, when the guy, I don't remember, he did something. I don't know if he like tried to flip the table or something, something dramatic. And I remember Elijah in his big full plate gauntlet slammed down on the table and said, you need to stop it and you need to leave. And I think that it was just such a, I think it stands out to me because it's just not something I ever expected him to do. Um, and especially that whole night, I mean, I don't know, I, I'm sure that I spoke to him at other points in that night, but it was like, that's the moment in that night that I just thought, oh, he's a knight. Oh, hey, does everyone remember that this guy's a knight? 
because he just did like the perfect nightly thing is that there was this belligerent person sort of ruining everyone's night and he just fixed it. Um, and I think that it's probably not a story that maybe not even anybody else remembers. Um, I don't think that Elijah would ever tell it. Um, but I think that if we were writing a book of fables for people to know about, I think that it would be really important for people to point out things like that, that, that they witnessed a, a night be nightly in a um, extreme circumstance. I think that might be how I reframe that question. Actually, that's actually very good. I guess what I mean by personal history is something they witnessed and maybe reframing it that way. Sure. Because it's not necessarily that it needs to be about them, but I, I certainly think that it could be, but also what you just said is, is very, uh, very good. I think that telling that story and something you witnessed that left that kind of impression on you and it could be then transmitted to another generation of SCA players. Yeah. I, I like that a lot. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Can we go back to the beginning of the episode? Elijah Tinker, Sir Elijah is, is also in my influence people in, in a moment. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, and here we have one that is, uh, I don't even know if I should ask it, but here, I'm going to ask you. Start it now. I know. Right. Because you're all like humility, yo. Anyway, <laughs> If we were writing a history book of the Knights of the Atlans, an actual uh, uh, sort of um, accounting of their deeds, if you will, uh, what moment would you contribute as perhaps your proudest achievement or exploit? Again, it's not super humble, but these- I know, I know. And I thought about this too, because I, I did, I got to admit, I read the questions beforehand. Good, um, good job. Uh, the- uh, the story that I decided was um, pertinent um, because it's not, it's not humble to talk about my proudest moment, my, my proudest moment. Um, we were um, watching a tournament um, that was a speed tournament. And so there was a lot of fighters going very quickly. It's a lot of, uh, there's no holds. It's just, you call a lay on and just go, 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 go. And there's a system to keep, keep fighters moving through for anyone who doesn't know. Um, and there was a, a Duke, who had a broken gauntlet and was fighting with a spear glaive thing. And um, the marshal said, your gauntlet is broken. And his response was, I'm fine, let's keep fighting. And the marshal shrugged and didn't, there was never a hold call. Within the rules, they were still allowed to fight. And um, they had the conversation loud enough that I could hear it. And I was watching the tournament and I said, hold. And I said, you don't get to fight like that because your gauntlet is broken and it's unsafe. And I'm very proud of that moment, partially because this particular Duke was having a very good time, uh, a very good uh, uh, set of events that he had a very good year. He was winning a lot of tournaments. He was very popular. Um, and I, um, it didn't matter. It didn't matter who he was. What he was doing was unsafe. And I think that the, we, our sport walks a weird line of, do you feel comfortable in your armor? Of that, are you willing to accept whatever injuries you take while also following the rules that we've set forth? Um, and this was a moment in which his gauntlet was not functional. It was not safe for him. And so there is an argument to be made that if he's comfortable with it, if he wants to break his hand, he can go break his hand. But 
Um, my proud moment was to step up and say, no, 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 no. I don't care who you are. You don't get to break the rules. You have to step off of this field. And he begrudgingly listened to me and has never spoken to me about it since. But I am very proud of the fact that I was able to stand up to somebody who held a lot of, uh, held a lot of clout in that moment. So that's me talking about me. And now we're over it. Yeah. That's a great one. I, I must say, I, I witnessed that. And um, in that moment, it said, uh, it certainly said a lot about the priority uh, that you were going to set being the Baron. Um, you know, saying that safety does matter and you're not above it. And we're not here to ruin your good time, but we're also not going to break each other. So yeah. I, I, yeah. I appreciate that you did that. So, um, yeah, so mostly conversation about humility, a little bit of, uh, a little bit, a little bit at the end that wasn't, you know, but, uh, honestly, man, um, I figured this would be a little bit more free form, uh, cause we have a, a, a more free conversational style. Yeah. Uh, I really appreciate the things that we talked about today. I'm hoping I didn't ramble through it too much. <laughs> Well, um, Your Excellency, it, it is an honor to be chosen for such uh, uh, an event because I really do think that what you're doing is very valuable. And so um, I'm, I'm honored to be here. Thank you. Well, I appreciate that, Your Excellency. <laughs> Not to get all formal at the end here. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. Anyway, um, so uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us today. Uh, this has been a conversation with Sir Bardolf Gumboldson on the topic of humility. Uh, we had a, a lot of great things uh, discussed, a lot of uh, rabbit holes that we went down, but I think it is of great benefit to remember that uh, conversations like these are how we grow. And um, it was Bardolf along with several others who taught me that that is uh, an exercise that is worth engaging in in the Society for Creative Anachronism. So um, hopefully you derive some benefit from this as well. I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, some of the other people out there doing some stuff uh, on the interwebs. Um, Sir Bohemian is still putting out videos, uh, a lot of uh, tutorial type videos and also longer cut uh, project videos. So check him out. Those, at, are, huh? those are super cool. Those are super cool. Everyone should go watch them. I agree. Um, he, uh, he's been doing a show called Shop Night and uh, I, I think it's just wonderful. Um, the crown of the Outlands, uh, King Bela and uh, Queen Nerissa have been interviewing past crowns of the Outlands, uh, kings and queens from all the way back to the kingdom's beginnings. Uh, we uh, have seen the likes of uh, Duke Johan and uh, Countess Matilda and, and so on and so forth. Um, and they've got some great ones scheduled for the next couple of months. So please check those out. They uh, happen on Saturdays. Uh, every other Saturday, they've been doing those. Uh, the Royal Tea is what it's called. It's a fantastic uh, opportunity for us to record the history of our kingdom uh, through the eyes of those who experienced it firsthand. So uh, I would encourage everybody to to get out there and check some of this stuff out. Um, we'll uh, be back in a couple of weeks with another episode. Uh, and uh, until then, I hope that you all enjoy um your time here on this planet. Can I, can I help? Can I help you? You want to help me? Tell me. Well, I, I can, I can help you. I can help elevate you 
for the actions that you've done. Everyone should like and subscribe and smash that like button, right? Wasn't that what they say? Yeah, yeah, that's what they say. Smack that, smash it. <laughs> I think that I really do think that this is a really valuable thing that you're doing, and I and I hope that I, I mean, documenting it is um, uh, scary. It's terrifying because what if I said something dumb? Um, Both did, but it's cool. But 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 I really do uh, appreciate what you're doing, and I and I think it's a cool thing. So I, I do think that people should follow it and appreciate it and share it around because I think that if you, if if there's somebody that you think like we we're talking about that if you have somebody who you think would benefit from hearing these sorts of discussions, show it to them. I think that that's what the, the good thing about documenting this kind of stuff is that you can say, hey, you should watch this. I think it'd be really beneficial for you, right? Like, and maybe, I don't know, maybe you have a relationship with your student. You can like dictate them stuff. I don't know. Maybe do that. Whatever. Do whatever you want. It's fine. Whatever's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. I am an old man, a grey-bearded knight But I stood with young Harry on Agincourt's field And my arm is still strong, my eyes are still bright And barren or bandit, no man I'll yield I hold the line while darkness is falling I hold the line with courage and steel I hold the line till the grey dawn is breaking And damned if I ever will yield Oh, I hear the whispers of Popinjay warriors Humblooded young men and merchants' third sons They call me grandfather, they laugh at my warnings But there'll be no laughter when battle's begun I'll hold the line when darkness is falling I'll hold the line with courage and steel I'll hold the line when the grey dawn is breaking And damned if I ever will yield And now the French army is camped o'er the river And on the morning they'll be at the walls And all the young popinjays come to me crying what shall we do when the battle is called? You hold the line when darkness is falling. You hold the line with courage and steel. You hold the line till the grey dawn is breaking and damned if you ever will yield. Oh, I am an old man, a grey-bearded knight. But I stood with young Harry on Agincourt's field And my arm is still strong, my eyes are still bright And barren or bandit to no man I'll yield